Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, over the last few episodes, we've been working our way through a series of sermons about what's next for our lives and for our world as we continue to live through this pandemic. And I've told you in each episode that no one can tell us for sure what's next for us because we all have this thing called free will. So it's really the choices that you're going to make and I'm going to make that will shape what our new reality is like. Well, in this week's episode, we are talking about what's next for the church. So we're going to be thinking about the choice that every person inside of every church is going to have to make that will shape what the future of our church is like. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what's next for us all as we continue to live through a worldwide pandemic. And we all want to know what's next because we all know that our lives are going to be different after the coronavirus. I mean, let's just face it, there is no way that a novel virus that has infected over 10 million people across the globe and contributed to the deaths of more than 500,000 people wouldn't change our lives forever. We just don't know how much the coronavirus will affect our lives going forward. So we all want to know, what's next? So that's exactly what we've been talking about at Melbourne Heights over the last few weeks. We've been talking about what's next for our lives and for our world. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what's next for racial relationships in the United States. And we've been talking about what's next when it comes to our mindset about all of the changes that we're going to face. And we spent time talking about what's next for our relationships with each other and with our money in the future. But since this sermon is the final sermon in this series... Well, it seems like today's the perfect day for us to talk about what's next for the church. But before we start talking about what's next for the church, I want to give you the same caveat that I've given during every sermon in the series. And that's that I'm not a fortune teller. So I don't have a crystal ball that I can look into that can tell me exactly what's next for your life or for my life or for the church. And you know what? Nobody else does either. So no one knows exactly how much the coronavirus will affect our lives as we enter into our new normal. No one knows exactly what's next. And there's a big reason for that. No one can tell us exactly what's next for us because God has given us all a thing called free will. So it's the choices that you and I will make in the coming days and weeks and months and possibly even years that are going to shape our new normal. And that's even true when it comes to the new normal for the church. But before we start talking about the choice that will shape the new normal for the church, I think we're better off if we start out talking about what a lot of us are hoping will happen to the church whenever this pandemic is completely behind us. A lot of us hope that this pandemic will lead to a great revival across the country and around the world. And we hope that people will come rushing back through the doors of the church whenever we're all able to reopen our buildings. But as much as we hope that people will come rushing back to the church building after this this pandemic comes to an end, the truth is, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, just the hard reality is that in-person attendance for church services has been dropping for more than 20 years. As a matter of fact, the folks over at Gallup reported last year that church membership in the United States had dropped 20% since the turn of the century. And we've already seen what attendance numbers look like in churches that have started to reopen. And the truth is, those numbers have been plummeting over the last six or eight weeks. 
Churches that have reopened their doors for in-person services are reporting a drop in attendance of between 60 and 90 percent. 60 and 90 percent. And those numbers don't look like they're going to be changing anytime soon. 55% of regular church attenders say that they won't be returning to an in-person service for the foreseeable future. So, if a large number of people won't be coming back to our church buildings for months, if not years to come, what does that mean for the future of the church? Well, for some churches, this information won't change a thing. Some churches will continue to do the exact same things that they've been doing for decades. They're just going to do them with fewer people in attendance. They'll have fewer people worshiping with them inside of their sanctuaries. And they'll have fewer people that are involved in their Sunday school classes and their small groups. And they'll have fewer people that are working with their children's ministry or working with their teenagers. They'll have fewer people that are out serving inside of the community. And they'll just hope. They'll just hope that they can hold on until in-person attendance eventually increases, if it ever does. But other churches will see this information as an opportunity to reach people that they would have never been able to reach, people that never would have come through their doors in the first place. These churches will find new ways to reach beyond the walls of their building. These churches will find new ways to help people inside of their communities and around the world who are hurting right now. These churches will find new ways to share the good news of Jesus that their congregation never could have imagined before the coronavirus outbreak began. So what's the difference between these two kinds of churches? Why will some churches keep doing exactly what they've been doing for years, while other churches will try new things to reach new people? Well, it all comes down to a choice. As we enter into our new normal, churches will have to decide if our methods or our mission matters the most. As we enter into our new normal, churches will have to decide if our methods or our mission matters the most. And for churches that decide that their methods matter the most, nothing's going to change. They're going to insist on having the same worship services that they've always had. They're going to insist on doing small groups and Sunday school classes the way that they've always done them. They're going to insist that people have to come into their building to be a part of their church. But for churches that decide that our God-given mission matters the most, we will do whatever we have to do to accomplish that mission. We will do whatever we have to do to reach people that are hurting right now. We will do whatever we have to do to help people grow in their relationship with God going forward. We will do whatever we have to do to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. And we will do whatever we have to do to share the good news of Jesus with anyone and everyone who wants and needs to hear it. But we have to make the choice. You have to make the choice. What matters the most to you? The mission of the church or the methods that we follow? Now, I can tell you the choice that the church has historically made. And the truth is, if the, if the church hadn't made this choice throughout the centuries, there wouldn't be a church for us to even be talking about today. That's because historically the church has decided that methods can change because our mission is what really matters. Methods can change because our mission is what really matters. So let's take a couple of minutes right now to talk about the mission of the church. And we find the mission of the church in the book of Acts. Now the book of Acts is part of the New Testament. And the books of the New Testament essentially tell us one of two things. They either give us a biography of Jesus, 
or they tell us about how our faith in Jesus grew and spread after his crucifixion and his resurrection. In the book of Acts, it does the latter. The book of Acts tells the story of how our faith grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And in Acts chapter 2, we're going to find the story of what happened after our faith began to spread. This story takes place right after the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus' first disciples and the world first got to hear the good news of Jesus. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 42. Here's what it says. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day, they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. So in this passage, the author of the book of Acts tells us what the church is all about. He tells us about the mission of the church. He starts out by telling us that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now remember that this story comes right after the day of Pentecost, right after many of these people heard about Jesus for the very first time. So they're all wondering what it means for them to commit their lives to following Jesus. So they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching to do that, to learn what it means to follow Jesus. So that's part of the mission of the church. The church exists to tell people about Jesus and to teach people how to follow Jesus. The church exists to tell people about Jesus and to teach people how to follow Jesus. And we have a fancy word for that around the church. We call it discipleship. But that's not all that we're told in this passage. We also hear about the importance of community in this passage. We're told that they were devoted to the community. We're told that they met with each other every day. We're told that they not only ate together, but they also shared their food with each other. So all of this is part of what it means, part of the mission of the church. The church is called to be a place where we can connect with other people and we can share life together. And we've got a word for that around the church, too. We call it fellowship. But once again, that's still not all that this passage has to tell us about the mission of the church. This passage also tells us that the believers prayed together and praised God together and that they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. So that's also part of the mission of the church. The church is supposed to be a place where we can enter into the presence of God. The church is supposed to be a place where we can praise God for who God is and what God has done. And the church is supposed to be a place where we can align our priorities with God's priorities for our lives and for our world. And we have a word for that too. We call it worship. And there's one more thing that this passage tells us about the mission of the church. It tells us that the believers would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. 
The church is called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And that means that we are supposed to love and care for everyone just like Jesus would. So we are called to make sacrifices of our own to help those around us who are hurting. And we actually have a lot of words for this around the church. Sometimes we call it service, and sometimes we call it outreach, and sometimes we call it evangelism, and sometimes we just call it missions. But when you put all of these things together, you get the mission of the church. The church exists to worship God and to help people grow in their relationship with God. The church exists to help people connect with other believers and to share life together. And the church exists to help those around us who are in need. And that mission hasn't changed for the 2,000 years that the church has existed. The church has always been about worship and discipleship and fellowship and mission. But what has changed a lot over the last 2,000 years are the methods that we've used to fulfill our mission. And that's been happening almost from the beginning of the church. Now, in the early years of the church, Christianity was seen more as a sect of Judaism than its own separate religion. So early Christians didn't have great big buildings that people would come to so that they could worship there. Instead, early Christians still went to the temple to worship, and then they would meet together in their homes or the homes of other believers throughout the week so that they could share meals and talk about Jesus and help take care of one another. So the initial method that the church used to carry out our mission was to create a lot of small house church communities. And that's something that didn't really change for a few hundred years. But in 313 AD, there was a huge change to the method that the church used to carry out its mission. In 313 AD, Christianity was officially legalized across the Roman Empire. And within 10 years, Christianity would become the official religion of the entire empire. So having a bunch of small house churches wasn't going to be enough for the church to continue to fulfill its mission. And why is that? Well, because when, when Christianity became the official religion of Rome, it meant that everyone was now going to church. And there was no way that a few house churches could accommodate all of those people, let alone provide the ministry that those people needed to worship God and to connect with each other and to serve inside of their community. So the church had to change their methods. They started building massive buildings that could accommodate all of the citizens of Rome. And for the first time in history, they created a professional class of Christians, a class that we call ministers or clergy today, who would be available to help other people learn how to follow Jesus better. And that was largely the method that the church used for another thousand years or so. The church built huge buildings to hold services, and they hired professionals to lead these churches. But in the 1500s, it started to become clear to some people inside of the church that the methods that we were using, that they weren't working to fulfill our mission any longer. And one person in particular, a monk by the name of Martin Luther, led a reformation that would once again change the method of the church to better serve our mission. You see, as Christianity started to rely more and more on professional ministers to do the work of the church, the average person in the church kind of got left behind. So by the 1300s, ministers were conducting services with their backs turned toward the people. 
and every service was conducted in the official language of the church, which was Latin. And Latin just so happened to be a language that only ministers really spoke. So the church was no longer fulfilling our mission. We were no longer helping people to become better followers of Jesus. So Martin Luther and other reformers like him said that it was time for a change to our method. They wanted to re-emphasize that the church is really about the people and not just about the professionals. So for the first time in hundreds of years, ministers started leading services in a language that all of their people spoke. And they didn't stop with that. Thanks to the recent invention of the printing press, the church also started printing Bibles so that everyone could have their own Bible and that they could read that Bible for themselves. And to make sure that that would happen, the church even started teaching people how to read. And the Reformation that Martin Luther helped bring to the church wasn't the last change that the church has endured. Right up to today, Churches all around the world are continuing to tweak and make changes to everything from the type of music that's used inside of our worship services to the style of preaching to the days that our services occur on, all in an attempt to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. And that's been one of the most remarkable aspects of our faith over the last 2,000 years. Whenever the church has chosen its mission over its methods, the future has always been brighter than the past. Whenever the church has chosen the mission over the methods, our future has always been brighter than the past. So let's talk about the changes that we need to make to our methods. So I've already told you about the trend that we've been seeing in the church. For 20 years, participation in church has declined. And since churches began to reopen their buildings, attendance for in-person services has tanked. And that's pretty depressing. But as they say, every cloud has a silver lining. And the cloud for declining in-person attendance has a pretty big silver lining. You see, while in-person attendance has been dropping, online involvement has been skyrocketing. And we've seen this at Melbourne Heights. I mean, the reality for our church is that we have seen a slow decline in our in-person attendance for the last decade at least. But since we started worshiping together online on March 15th, we've been consistently reaching two and a half times as many people as we were when we were having in-person services. And there are a lot of different reasons for this. We're reaching more people right now because there is no longer a geographic boundary around our church. Now stop and take a minute to think about that. You know, before we started worshiping together online, you had to come to our physical location in Louisville, Kentucky. And not everybody could do that. The truth is that if you live more than about a half an hour away from our church building, you were probably never going to attend one of our services. But since March, we have had people join us from, for worship from 30 different states and 18 different countries. And there's also no longer a time barrier for our services. Again, when we were only meeting in person once a week to worship, you had to be here at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time every week. But now people can worship with us based on their needs and on their schedule instead of on ours. So we have almost as many people who watch the replays of our services as we have joining us live on Facebook or YouTube or our church's website on Sunday mornings. But I think one of the biggest reasons that we're reaching more people now than we have in years is you. 
every time that we worship together online, I ask you to hit the share button on our Facebook post to invite your Facebook friends to come and join us for worship. And many of you were doing that every single week. Now, in the past, the church has spent countless hours and dollars trying to teach different approaches and strategies for evangelism to try to equip and empower you to invite your friends to come with you to church. But now, because of our move to online services, all you have to do is click a button. That's all you have to do. So there has never been an easier way for you to share your faith with your family or with your friends and even with people that you haven't seen face-to-face since second grade than there is right now. So if you go back, if you go back and you think about everything that we've talked about so far today, if you think about our mission as a church, if you think about the decline in in in-person attendance that we're seeing right now, if you think about the impact that we're having online, then you realize that if we want to fulfill our God-given mission, we have to be willing to change our methods now. So as we continue to move into our new reality, online ministry is going to become more and more important to the church. So we need to make the commitment right now to do everything that we can to build the best online ministry that we possibly can. And to do that, we have to remember what the mission of the church is. So as we think about what our ministry is going to look like in the future, we need to remember what the church has been called to do in the past. As we think about what our online ministry will look like in the future, we need to remember what the church has been called to do in the past. Now remember what I told you earlier. The church exists to tell people about Jesus and to teach us how to follow him. So that's what we want to do online. We want our website to not just be a brochure that invites people to come to our physical location. We want it to be a resource where people can hear the good news of Jesus and learn how to follow him. So we're already doing things online to help us achieve that mission. We're worshiping together online through our website and Facebook and YouTube every single week and sharing the good news of Jesus. And we also have small groups that meet via Zoom regularly to help people understand how they can follow him better. But those things should just be a starting point for us, not an ending point. So we want to continue to worship and find new ways to reach people through our services online. And we want to keep doing small groups, but we also want to offer other tools that can help people as they try to grow in their faith. Like in the near future, I hope that we can start having regular classes on our website or Facebook or YouTube where we can explore topics that are important to us and that will help us grow closer to God. Now these classes might cover topics like our, the basic beliefs of our faith or what it means to be a Baptist or how you can read your Bible better or become better at praying. And since we're not limited to specific times or places, we can create these classes and let you take them and watch those videos whenever you want to. And we also want to find ways to create more community online. Now, the truth is that this has been the hardest thing about only meeting online right now. We don't get to see everyone in our church every week like we used to. Instead, we might get to see a few people during our small groups time, and we might be able to interact with others through the comments thread on Facebook or YouTube but we're missing some of that community. So as we continue to move toward uh, our new future and what our new normal is going to look like with online ministry, we have to find better ways to create a stronger community there. 
Now that may mean that we find ways to make it easier for everyone to try to get involved on a Zoom call. Or we might encourage those of you with the technology to host watch parties for our worship services or invite people to come and join you for small groups. Or it could mean that we create a more robust members experience on our website where you can interact with each other through forums or chat features or something along those lines. But like I've said from the beginning of the series, I don't know exactly what the future holds or exactly what it's going to look like for the church in the years to come. But I do know. I do know that God has given us an incredible opportunity to reach people right now. We are reaching more people than we have in decades through our online ministry. And that's not going to change for the foreseeable future. So we need to commit to fulfill the mission that God has given our church and every church by being the best church we can online right now. Because our mission will always be more important than our methods. So let's work together to make sure that our church continues to tell people about Jesus and to teach people to follow Jesus, no matter what the future may hold. Let's pray together. God, you know how much the world has changed around us over the last few months, and you know how much it has changed our church, God. We at Melbourne Heights haven't met together for an in-person service since, since March the 8th. But God, just because we haven't met together in person, it doesn't mean that the work of our church has stopped. We are still doing everything that we can to fulfill our mission. We're here worshiping together online right now, God, so that other people can hear the good news of who you are and learn how to follow you better. But God, my prayer is that you challenge us to always understand that our mission is far more important than our methods. So God, we need to focus in on what we need to do to accomplish the mission that you have given us to help people hear your good news and to learn what it means to follow you. So let us commit ourselves to following your call for us. Let us commit ourselves to doing what you created us and your church to do. Let us always strive to accomplish the mission that you have given us, no matter what the methods may look like. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast, and I hope that today's episode has made you think about what's next for the church, and if you're really more passionate about the mission of the church or the methods that the church uses. Now, historically, the church has always chosen to follow our mission first instead of our methods, and if we really want to be who God calls us to be in the future, that's what we have to do right now. We have to prioritize the mission and do everything that we can to reach as many people with the good news of Jesus as possible. And right now, that looks like it means that we have to do a whole lot more of our ministry online. Doesn't mean that's how it's going to be forever, but at least for right now, we need to focus our efforts where we're reaching the most people. Now, next week, we're starting into a brand new series of sermons where I'm going to be reflecting on the last 13 years that I've spent in pastoral ministry in a series of sermons that we're calling Confessions of a Pastor. So I hope that you come back and you'll join us next Sunday at noon when that episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast. It'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And if you if you ever want to, you can tune in every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church's website and join us live for worship. That site is mhbclouisville.com slash live. I hope that you guys have a great week this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.